feel like Adam in the Garden of Eden. I told Miss Deborah, I said, you know, I was created in the wilderness. Ginger was created in the garden. <laughs> so, anyway. Anyway. Um, I had a little stomach bug for a couple of days. And when you do that, it's hard to deer hunt. I don't know if y'all realize that. But anyway, I am, I just put, put my picture up, put my picture up. This is Methuselah. He's old enough to collect Social Security right now. He has been stealing our crops for 10 years. All under the cover. Is it daylight there? No. It's under the cover of darkness. And so I've been commissioned by God to put this thing to bed. Give him a dirt nap. Have his, have his meat ground up. And ship it to uh, somebody that I don't want to eat. It's too old. He's probably already passed his expiration date. That's why his name's Methuselah. But me and Tyler are going going after him this afternoon. And I doubt we'll see him today. But yesterday I had to, I was sitting in a ground blind in the north wind, freezing to death all day. And every big deer we had came right by me, except that one. I would text my buddies, "You can go home. Your deer's over here." You know, so I'll wait till I get in, and they say, uh, "Paul, you hunting tomorrow?" I said, "I'm hunting tomorrow afternoon, probably." Are you going to hunt in the same spot? I said, "No, my deer's not there." All right, I got Paul's spot tomorrow. <laughs> so I said, I, "I bet I saw thirty doe and five big bucks, but they just weren't Methuselah." I can't give up my location. If I shot, he'd have known where I was, and I'd never seen him again. Anyway, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, to put away childish things, right? Deer hunting is not childish. You know the difference between adult and child with men? The price of their toys. So I'm putting away the cheap stuff, and I'm playing with the best now because it's put away childish things. Right? I got I got to do something real quick. My computer is all jacked up here, and I've got to fix it. Somebody sing something while I'm doing this. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Okay, you can shut up now. <laughs> got it. I think. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, that scripture, when you put away childish things, I don't know what, this has nothing to do with my message, absolutely, but nothing I've said so far has either, so it doesn't matter. But, um, when you're little, I, I look like Nico, we kept him the other day, and um, me, I'm sorry, Ginger mostly. <laughs> I 
Nico doesn't have to make a lot of decisions right now, does he? He doesn't even control when he goes to the bathroom. It just happens. Right? Because he's a baby. You have to feed him. You have to clothe him. You have to change his diapers. And you have to do all of that stuff. Take care of him. But you know what? The older that a child gets, the more his decisions matter. Nico doesn't have to make any decisions in his life. They're all made for him. Um, Morgan, teenager. Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. Makes more money than everybody in the building combined, probably. (laughs) Sharp individual. But you know what? Her decisions matter more now than they did five years ago. And when she's 19, they'll matter even more. The older you get, up to a point now, the older you get, the more your decisions matter. So put away childish things. This is nothing to my message, but just something just told me to, to say this. And Anyway, I'll, I'll get off of it. But remember, praise, praise, worship. Prayer, praise, worship, all of them. All of them have the same purpose. To connect you to God so that you can make your decisions. Don't make your decisions without praise, prayer, worship, fasting. Any major decision in your life, it matters. So you want the creator of the universe to make that decision for you. Instead of me. Because I'm not very bright sometimes. But, I knew that was coming. I had had y'all set up. Y'all didn't set me up. I can work it the other way. I'm the best looking guy in this room. See? I have every time. I knew it was coming from Cameron. It always comes from the ugliest guy in the room that thinks he's good looking. Anyway. I went back. I went back. I was talking to Lisa this morning and, and, and I told her I had idiot's grace for a long time. And idiot's grace is when you first get saved, you do some stupid stuff, but God still kind of th- shows you some grace. There's this excitement about a new life. I'm a Christian. I'm connected to God. God's connected. The creator of the universe wants to have something to do with me. And you're all excited about it when you first get saved. Remember that? Do you all remember those times? That lasted for like eight years with me. I'm not joking. I mean, from the day I got saved, it was just like this. And I was the most excited guy. If there was anything that needed to be done, I did it. Didn't necessarily do everything the way everybody else did it, but you know, God told me to be me. So that's this is me. I'm, I'm not trying to be anybody else. Anyway, T.L. T.L. Osborne taught me something that I'll never, ever, ever forget. And he said it directly to me, and he looked me dead in the eyes, like this, you know, he's a little guy. But he looked directly at me, and he told me this, and I'll never forget it. I'm going back to my old stuff. I've got this old book, everything that Rob and T.L. ever taught me, my most prized possession. T.L. said this, he said, he said, son, never... Let that fire of enthusiasm burn out. He said, if you do, 
You'll be just like other old dead preachers looking for a congregation to make themselves feel like they've done something. That's a bold statement. How do you keep the fire of enthusiasm? How do you do that? Because enthusiasm is not an emotion, it is a commitment. It's a commitment. You commit yourself to being enthusiastic and that fire that, that, that burns in you, it's a catalyst for it. You choose your level of excitement. You choose your level of enthusiasm. Jesus is going to be just as good tomorrow as He was today. Let's not procrastinate. Let's just get on it and enjoy how good He is today. You know? And then we'll move on. And it's new, new, new. I mean, I had this thing in me for like eight years. I did everything wrong and God still blessed it. Idiot's grace. Not everything, but most things I did wrong. See, I was pastor and I had no idea what I was doing. And I was the only one that didn't know that. You know, and then, and then you get, go on and, and, you know, terrible things happen in life. Like when, when, when Rob died suddenly, you know, I mean, it was a, it, hard to keep your enthusiasm. And it knocked me down, I'll admit it. It knocked me down for a long time. But when I went back and I looked through that book and I saw this, I said, you were right, T.L. It's a choice. It's not an emotion. It's a choice. You can choose to be happy. You can choose to be sad. You can choose to be enthusiastic or you can choose to be a procrastinator. For a long time, I didn't know what that meant. I remember I was drawing people talking about procrastinating. I was scared to ask what it was. And I was not about to go to the dictionary and look. I wasn't that curious. You know? I'm reading a book right now. That's a big deal. <laughs> it's called Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. It, if, you're, if you're in leadership, you're a pastor, that book will wreck your life. It'll change everything, change your, your, your outlook. Anyway, he said, he, he, said, he said, Paul, he said, you've got to make a choice to live an inspired life. He said, if you live an inspired life, that fire of enthusiasm will not burn out. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. How the heck do I do that? Because I don't always feel inspirational. Sometimes ginger doesn't inspire me. Sometimes getting up and preach to Sunday morning, I'll be honest, it just not, does not inspire me. You know why? Because I lost that Enthusiasm. They work together. Inspiration, enthusiasm. Inspiration, they work together. I'm trying to teach y'all something here that, that we don't, you ain't going to get this everywhere. A pastor's job is to make his people live a successful life in God's eyes. I'm not here to get you saved. How many people here are saved? There you go. Why would I preach you need to get saved to a room full of people that are saved? 
I can be talking about a Buick and the anointing that breaks that yoke of bondage is going to come. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what I say. It's the, the anointing that breaks that yoke of bondage that brings, that, brings about that salvation. But anyway, he said, live an inspired life. Live an inspired life. And I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. But he said, Paul, he said, when you are enthusiastic, he said, there's a passion about you when you speak. He said, I've watched you. He said, miracles come, healings come, salvation comes. He said, but if you ever lose that fire of enthusiasm, you're done. You're done. And I never saw that man in a bad mood the whole time I was with him. Never saw him in a bad mood. He was always happy. He was always talking about Jesus. He talked about Jesus more than anybody I've ever heard. It's just, it was crazy. That's all he talked about. Have you ever been some, around somebody that's closer to Jesus than they are to people? I've been around two. Him and Heidi Baker. That woman spends more time with Jesus. She's crazy. She's flaky. But you want somebody praying for you? That's one woman when you want praying for you. I'm telling you. We were in uh, Christ for the Nations in the Assembly Center, and she was going to be speaking. She wasn't there yet. We're sitting there, and they're in praise and worship, and I told Ginger, I said, she's here. She said, what? I said, I feel it. She's here. And people think that's nuts, but you know what? Right after I said that, guess who walked on stage? She did. How many of y'all know who Smith Wigglesworth was? Smith Wigglesworth, one of the greatest men of faith in, you know, since the Apostle Paul, you know what I mean? He's a, but anyway, he was walking on a, sta- a, it was a train car, you know, I don't know what that thing called that goes behind it, but it goes beside it, you know, when the trains come in, but they were on the, the, the deck. The deck, that's what I'm going to call it. The deck of the train. Yes, train, train, train. The platform, yes. Who said that? You're a genius, Christian, of course. Christian's a genius, and Allison's my hero, right? Well, Allison's my hero for sure. But anyway, Smith Wiggles was working on a platform by a train. Okay, he was going to get on a train, and a Catholic priest walked beside him and fell flat on his face. And Mick Wigglesworth stopped and helped him, and he said, My God, man, you convict me. See, that presence, the more time you spend with Jesus, that presence can, 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 can break that yoke of bondage for somebody just by being around you. It doesn't say you have to speak to it. It says the anointing breaks it. I have no idea where I'm going with this. But the anointing breaks that yoke. Not what you say breaks that yoke. Not what you do. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more conviction is going to come on the lost. That's what T.L. and Heidi Baker figured out. If I spend more time with Jesus, I get to help more people. That's a crazy theology. Anyway, all right, y'all ready for this? 
I guess I'm going to do it. Yep. How, how to live an inspired life. Let's do this, okay? Here we go. Number one. It's about your attitude, not about your circumstance. Your attitude always determines your altitude. Your outlook determines your outcome. I mean, I can do these little things all day. But they're, but they're pretty cool, but my point is, it's a choice. And your, your grown-ups, your choices matter now. You make a choice to live an inspired life. No matter what your circumstances are. Let me, let me, tell, let me tell you what happened. Ginger was just talking about it. About when we were doing that. It wasn't a run. Nobody ran. It was a walk. And we get there, and Ginger gets his phone call, and she tells me, she said, they're taking the baby. And they're taking him where? No, I didn't say that. But I knew what you meant. But, <laughs> and I said, well, it's a good, time, good thing. Isn't it strange how everybody is gathered in one place at the exact moment that that child's being born? You see, I could have said, oh, my God, i got to get over there, and took off. But if you live an inspired life, your attitude determines more than whatever that doctor tells you. Believe me. My doctors have told me, I, you know what, the, I, I'm, I'm a terrible person I guess, but you know what I believe? This, this is the way I do things. Whatever a doctor tells me, I do the exact opposite. So I can know it's God. I broke my... I know I'm crazy, but it works. Don't try it. Don't go out and break your leg and do what I did. That's nuts. But I had faith in what I was doing. I wasn't going to let my circumstance determine my outcome. You can tell me my leg's broke all day long, but I'm going to act like it ain't. It's hurting. It's hurting bad, and I'm going to stay in bed for a day or two. But then I'm getting up. It's still broke. It still hurts, but I can bear it. Are you, are you, are you following what I'm saying? It, it's your attitude, not what's going on in you or around you or to you. It's what's, go, what, what's in your mind. Like, like I said, preached a couple of weeks ago, the mind is the battleground. If you can win here, you can win there. So anyway, I broke my femur. That's a pretty big deal. I didn't know it at the time, but that's what everybody tells me. The nurses and doctors, I was like, you've got to go to a skilled nursing facility. you got to read about it. I'm going to Minden. I went to Minden, and Tyler and my see, we don't have a bedroom downstairs. That's crazy, but we don't have a bedroom. I had to stay downstairs, so I, Taylor and them, uh, Tyler and them came in and put me in bed downstairs, and I was cool. I was cool, you know, and... Uh, I was supposed to be down for eight weeks and then on crutches for another several weeks after that. Seven weeks from the day that I broke that finger, I played 18 holes of golf. You know why? Because I don't believe what they tell me. Spiritually, 
I don't believe what they tell me. So physically I have to act like... You follow me? That's just the way I do it. That's a crazy way I do things, but that's just the way that I do things. So then I go to Africa and I break my tibia. Same leg. Broke my femur here, broke my tibia down there somewhere. I go to the doctor. The doctor says, well, how's your other break? I said, I'll play golf. Went to Africa. He said, he said, you are the worst patient, Paul. He said, you, he said, you break your leg and then you get on a stinking plane and go to Africa. And then you break it again and you get on a plane to come home. He said, I, my job now is to make sure you don't die today. I said, what? He said, you can't fly 30,000 feet with a broken leg. You're going to have blood clots in there. We've got to take you and get you an ultrasound. We've got to do this, that. I said, I'm fine. Don't worry. He said, shut up and listen to me. That's not what he said, but it's what he meant. So, I'm supposed to be off of my leg now. As you can tell, it's really hurting. Because I don't believe what they say. I don't believe my circumstance. I believe my attitude. And my attitude says, I am what God says that I am. And He said, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. So you know what? I spend more time with Him and I'm going to spend more people, so I'm going to believe Him. That's how they figured it out. You don't, you don't believe in your circumstance. Woo! Living an inspired life means getting up every day knowing that you're helping people, helping to carry their suffering. See, it's more than about you when you live an inspired life. When you're living an inspired life, you get up, I get up every morning to know that I'm affecting somebody's decisions about Jesus on every stinking continent. Because I sent that money there. You people have... The same thing. What you do and come up here, you know, that's not the end of where that goes. That's the beginning of the journey. That's the beginning of seeing a family in Botswana or, or Brazil or somewhere get saved and affect generations. You see, what you give now... What Greg was talking about, what you give now, it's a generational thing. It doesn't stop there. Who is the richest man that ever lived? Solomon, just in case you didn't know. Why? His daddy was the biggest sower that ever lived. What was it, 60 million or something like that? That he gave just for the temple? Six billion? Six, that's a lot more than 60 million. Six billion dollars. That's crazy, isn't it? But look what happened. Look what carried down to the next generation. If the sins of the Father follow the bloodline, so do the blessings. David and Solomon taught us that. Live an inspired life. Don't, don't care what your circumstances are. Don't, don't give any thought to it. Just know 
that you are what God says that you are. You are more than a conqueror. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Did you know that? You raised your hands. You said, I'm saved. Now, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are. Can you understand? Did you know that the sun is 93 million miles from us? And it's still so far away, but we can't stare into it. We can't look at it directly or it'll hurt us. Right? It'll blind us. Did you know that the Bible tells us that the light of Jesus is so much brighter than the sun? How can you imagine? Why did? Why is it that, what, did, that, that God told Moses, don't look at my face. If you look at God, you will surely die. Remember that scripture? We are not equipped to see the face of God, but God is asking us, that His light be shown through us. Is that an amazing thing? That the Creator of the universe puts that much trust in you. And He thinks that you are the, you are the, you are the most important thing in the world to Him. You're most so important He sent His only Son to go through hell for you, literally. That's a, he trusts you. He wants you. He wants a close relationship with you. So with that mentality, with that choice of enthusiasm, you can change people. You can change people on every continent. You can change people on every street in Minden, Louisiana. You can, you can bring a change anywhere you go strictly because you've got the right attitude and God's backing you because of it. Whew! I hadn't got to that point. Hmm. Let's ah, okay. Here we go. Go to my first scripture. Joseph, y'all know not the Mary and Joseph, but the Joseph, the original Joseph. You know, the Joseph. Joseph was married, uh, uh, named after Joseph. His he was his dad's favorite. And he had his dream. I know that being your dad's favorite, I was. But wasn't my mom, but I wasn't my dad. Um, his dad's favorite had what eleven brothers? Yeah, eleven brothers because twelve tribes come. Yeah, it's eleven brothers, and they all hated him because he was the favorite. So we know what happens, right? They sell him into slavery. And they tell dad he died. An animal killed him. And they brought his coat of many colors. It had blood on it. So here, here, here's his coat. Dad. We couldn't do anything. Bear just ate him. Whatever it was. Lion, whatever. I don't know. Something ate him. I can't remember what. Because it was a lie. So I can't remember. Anyway, so... He got thrown into a pit. And in the pit, then he got, the slave traders came and his brothers sold him to the slave traders, Egyptian slave traders. And he was put on the auction block to be sold like a cat. Right? Then, the captain of of Pharaoh's guard, a guy named 
Potiphar. I don't think I've ever heard anybody renamed Potiphar. But Potiphar was the captain of the king's guard. And Potiphar bought Joseph. This is a guy that was his dad's favorite within just a few days, was thrown into a pit, given to slave traders, and sold on the auction block like a cow. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. What does it say? The Lord was with Joseph. Was that the Lord's choice? Or was it Joseph's choice? Because Joseph could have said, Hey, what in the heck do you think you're doing? I'm my dad's favorite. I've had a dream that I'm going to rise up above all my brothers. And, and, and why did you give me this dream if I'm going to be a slave the rest of my life? It was a choice. God was with him. You know what? His attitude. His attitude changed. It, he didn't succumb to his circumstance. He rose to his level of integrity, of hard work, of whatever he had to do. Why? Because he was a slave. He was the lowest form of human life. Slavery is the worst thing that you can do to a people, to a person. It's awful. You don't choose when you get up. You don't choose when you go to bed. You don't choose when you eat. You don't choose what you eat. You, uh, you, and you, are, you are, uh, can be beaten at any time for no reason. And you have no recourse. The worst thing you can do. And this is where Joseph was. But God, the Lord, was with him. And he was a successful man. How in the world can you be sold into slavery and be a successful man? Because the world's idea of success and God's idea of success are way different. Way different. Go to the next one. Where we at? I liked it. So he was sold on a slave box and the Lord was with him. Go to my next scripture. Alright. Potiphar's wife accused Joseph of rape. So what's he do? He gets thrown in a special prison. Not just a regular. He's in a special prison. Of the king's enemies. A bad place. But when he was there, his attitude was, you know what? God created me in His image and His likeness. He's a winner, so I'm a winner. I don't know if that's exactly the way he said it, but I, you know, it's a mindset. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get the point across too. And then he's put in prison. So then Joseph Master took him and put him into a prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. I just said all that. And he was there in the prison. Twenty one. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Potiphar even said that he had favor and he kept Joseph there. He said, the Lord blessed Potiphar for Joseph's sake. 
This, this. The Lord was with Joseph. He showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the, the, the prisoner, the, the, the warden, I guess you would call it now, said, Joseph, whatever you do, it's good. You have proven with your attitude and what you do that you're going to get it done. I am not even going to look at what you do. Not even going to look at it. So what happened? Do you think you're any different? Do we think we're any different than Joseph? If our mental attitude can determine our closeness with God, why aren't we using it to our full capacity? We are capable of this type. More so because the Holy Spirit didn't live in Joseph, but it does in you. Y'all know the rest of the story of Joseph, right? He ends up becoming the prime minister of Egypt before he was 30 years old. He had the same attitude when he was in the pit as he was when he was in the palace. Alright, we got that, right? Attitude over circumstance. How to live an inspired life. That's one. Number two, set goals for yourself and go after them. Set lofty goals. Set, set the bar high. If you are God's creation, don't set the bar low. Put it up here. No. Put it up here. Set high goal. The main reason we don't feel inspired is we're not driven to go after our goals. As a Christian, here we go, as a believer, what goals have you put on your life as a believer? You do it in your career. You do it in school. What goals have you set for outreach? What goals have you set for certain friends? I'll never, I'm glad Joel's not here today. When Joel was a little bitty guy, I mean a little, he got saved, how old was he? Six, seven? And, and anyway, he went to kids camp. And the people that ran kids camp had a son that was Joel's age, and they became friends. So Joel would stay at the house with, with them, of Tommy and Rachel Birchfield, who it was. And so, he wrote a book about Joel. Rachel did. But, Joel was crying. And Rachel went over and talked to him, what's wrong? He said, I'm, my dad's going to hell. And I was. It, 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 it did a shame you know that you have a you know a eight year old kid crying because he's scared his daddy's going to hell, but he was right. I was not now, but I was. And so Rachel taught him. She said taught him about the altar, and she put a. When he got home, he built an altar in his room and he prayed for me every day. And it wasn't long after that. I got saved. I got baptized the same day that Jordan did. That's crazy, isn't it? Crazy. 
He set goals. I want my dad in heaven with me. I want my friends in heaven with me. Stephen Dickerson got saved. His entire class, by the time he graduated, his entire class got saved. Why? Because he started praying for another one, started praying for another one. Start... He learned this at an early age. And you would not believe the, the, the changes that have happened because of Joel Serena combining their faith and believing God for something, not giving up on it. Hey, what happened to Serena and Isaac? It's not a good end to those that look at their circumstance. But look, we've set our goals. Serena's home. Isaac's gaining weight, doing good, and, and you know the whole thing. But you know what? There was people on every continent praying for him, everywhere, and they didn't. Joel's attitude never changed, never. Serena's did because she was on so much medication because they had two tubes stuck in her, you know, pulling out bad blood, putting in good blood. It was bad. It was bad. Her body couldn't produce enough oxygen for both of them, so they had to take the baby early. And just so happens that we're all there praying when the baby comes. You know, that wasn't a bad day. That was a good day. That was a good day. Because, because when I'm dead and gone, I know I've got grandkids. That are we standing in the middle of Amazon, standing in the middle of Serengeti, preaching the Word of God? I don't know how many of them there will be, but I know I'll have some. Yeah. Man, I'm going slow today. <clears throat> Bear Bryant said, said if, you fa- if, you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So, Y'all don't even know Bear Bryant was only Alabama football coach. Y'all know Nick Saban. But there was, a, there was a football coach before Nick Saban at Alabama. And he won several national championships. But, but that was his thing. He had a plan for everything that was going to happen during that. Everything that could possibly go right or go wrong in that game, he had a plan for the next, whatever's next. He had a plan. Why? He set goals. He said, "Goes you got you got to read your." I, I, I'm, mm, mm. Make sure your goal is not the biggest, but the best. Okay. Okay. You don't necessarily have, see. I, I don't worry about numbers of people. I've never been that way. I'll never be that way. I preach in front of fifty thousand today. I'm here. It doesn't matter. What the size of the group is to me. I always want to have people who are dedicated to reach other people. It's like Dorothy told me. It's not easy to go to church here. You can't be comfortable. It's uncomfortable. You push me. You, you know, you, you, and, but you know what? That's because I want you to succeed in life. I want you to accomplish 
the things that Joseph accomplished. I want, you to, I want to see you do the things that other people just can't do and nobody can understand why. My gosh. How'd they do that? Hmm. They're living an inspired life. That's why. Hmm. Know your role, play your part, and be the best you that you can be. Know your role, play your part, right? Man, let me ask you a question. Emily, give me a water, please. My throat's dry. Did you know you see, receive a prophet's reward for getting that? Just for handing me a glass of water, she gets a prophet's reward. Isn't that what the Bible says? Where, do I have the scripture on it? Yeah. One in Matthew. He receives a prophet in the name of the prophet. Shall receive a prophet's reward. Well, I'm not a prophet. That's a prophet. I'm not. Chris, if Chris Lewis tells me something, if he tells me I've heard from God and he tells me something, I'm doing it. Period. End of story. Why? Because he hears from God. He's got my ear. He's vital to the growth of the church, to, the, to your spiritual success. Anyway. Alright. This is an easy one. Do the right thing. Not what's popular. If you're popular, you're probably not Christian. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, what do you think they're going to do to you? Two billion people that say they believe. I think it's less than a billion. But, we got another 5 million out there that don't know. They, they just hadn't heard. They don't know. They, or, they've, or, or they've turned away. In today's woke, progressive agenda, and that's what it is, the world hates you. You stand for everything that they want to tear down. I'm telling you this. This isn't Joe Biden. This is the devil doing this. You hear me? He's just using that idiot to get it going. Sorry. Did they knock, it off, knock us off yet? No? Okay, good. But it's hard to do the right thing in the wrong climate. Right? Let's be honest. It is. If I got up here and I started banging it, you know, I, I know how to get knocked off of Facebook. I know how. God's not an idiot. He doesn't make mistakes. Guys, if you want to go buy yourself a pair, of, knock yourself out. It's not my life, it's yours. That's the woke generation. That's what the world is telling us to be like. Transgender. Uh, Thank God for Texas and Florida. 
governors that aren't stand, afraid to stand up and say, no, uh-uh. We're going to overturn Roe versus Wade. That's a state's right. That's not federal. We don't take their republic. They don't take money. They don't. They support their own schools and roads, and they're better than anybody else's. Why can't the, Why can't we just look and say, "Hey, why don't we just become a republic?" I don't stand for what all the they're telling us we're supposed to be doing. Now, I don't agree with that. Why don't I, Why don't we just quit? Because we're the only ones, Christians, true Christians, that call Him by His name. They're the only people that can get us out of this situation. And it's not going to be easy, and it's definitely not going to be powerful, but it's the right thing. Come on now. Doing the right thing ain't the easy thing. And 95, 90% of the time, the right thing is the hard thing. The world tries to get us to do the things that are easy, and God's telling us you stick to it and you do it right. You do it right. You know what righteousness means? You know what righteous means? It means what God did right. He made you exactly like He wanted to. You got saved, and now you are right. You are what God made right. What's in this world is wrong. What God made is right. All goes back to attitude, doesn't it? Mentality, attitude, mental acuteness, whatever the case may be. <laughs> they're, they're, they're. Man, I'm, I'm getting. I'm going to say it. Go ahead. There's people to get vaccines, and 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 it's fine. I mean, I got a bunch of friends that got vaccines, and it's fine. But if you don't get the vaccine, that's fine too. It's not a big deal. People make it make. Vaccines and masks a bit. It's not a big deal. You know, just, just move on. But, but, when the federal government tells us it's okay to kill unborn babies, it's called abortion. Right? You know what it's called? Abortion? Roe versus Wade? It's murder. Well, Paul, it's a woman's choice. My body, my choice. Well, the same thing goes for the stinking vaccine. It's my body and it's my choice. There's nothing wrong with the vaccine. Just some people don't want to take it. I don't. Man, I've had malaria twice. had COVID. You know, I mean, COVID was a piece of cake compared to malaria. But it's a real thing. People are dying. It's a real thing. Okay? But on abortion, you've quit hearing people say, my body, my choice. Because of what? They back themselves in a corner with that, and then here this is. 
things are shifting in that world. There is a shift going on in the area of abortion. Do what's right no matter how hard it is. Stand up for what you believe no matter who you're standing in front of. My mind and my actions aren't going to change because of my audience. You cannot do that. You cannot allow that to go on. You be as much like Jesus regardless of who you're in front of and when you're by yourself. Be as much like Jesus as you can possibly be. That's living an inspired life. Knowing that when you got up, just by getting up, you're helping somebody carry somebody else's suffering. You're carrying their suffering. I got a, had a ministry team in Myanmar. Tom knows about it. Slaughtered, a, slaughtered a, about a dozen people there, man. Just, just shot them in the head. Made them, put them in a pile. And we, just, we think we got it tough. Holy cow. Our missionaries in Iran and, and in Syria, in the uh, refugee camps in Syria, have a life expectancy of about three months before somebody kills them, and there's a, there's a line of people to get in right behind them. You know why? They want to be as much like Jesus as they can possibly be. They want to see as many people come to the Lord as they can possibly be, and they're more dedicated than I am. They'll put their life on the line any day of the week, every day of the week. They don't care. I met Amy's. Um, brother and sister-in-law, and they're going to Oaxaca as missionaries. At first, they're going to language school for a year. I told them, I said, that's a bad thing. You know what language school is in the Hispanic nations? They put you in a house with a family and say, okay, learn. <laughs> and pay us. And they give the family part of it. That's language school in Guatemala and Mexico and everything. You know, so if you want to learn another language, just save yourself. Just buy a plane ticket. Just say, hey, can I rent a room here? Just stay there. I promise you, in a year you'll speak fluent Spanish. I promise you. It's called immersement. <laughs> for this generation, for this time, there is a scripture in Proverbs, the 14th chapter. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's where we are right now. We're not at the end times. We're at this time. We're at that time. Jesus ain't coming back no time soon. Listen to me. When you only got two billion people that say they're Christians, and everybody's got to have heard the name of the, the gospel of Jesus before Jesus can come back. We're living this Scripture, not those. Don't let them fool you. Jesus doesn't know when He's coming back. The devil doesn't know when He's coming back. The devil didn't know where He was coming the first time. That's why God said, now, hey, devil, that's my son right there. That, I, in Him, I'm well pleased. What happened? The devil immediately came to tempt Him. He didn't know. He looked far all, all through time. He didn't know what form of, He was coming to on the earth. That's why when they said there's a deliverer coming, Pharaoh killed all the babies, right? That's, that was Moses' time. He thought he was killing Jesus, but he was trying to kill Moses. All throughout the Bible, 
He's looking, he's looking, he's looking. And they still look it. Don't believe what everybody tells you. These are the end times. Christians are saying, these are the end times. And they're waiting for the rapture to take them out of this sorry, sorry situation that we're in. The woke generation. They could have called it something even better than that anyway. The woke. That's not even proper English. Awake would be they can't even get their name right. Huh? Anyway, that's where we're at. We're living it right now. If you are living biblically in this time, you're intolerant. We don't have that. You've got to let people be what they want to be. Now, I wouldn't get an abortion. But I'm not going to refuse somebody else's rights to have one. Hey, I'm the guy that speaks for the unborn. Because they don't have a voice yet. That's what you tell them. Well, you can, you can, you can argue your point. But I'm going to argue the child's part. You look at a sweet little baby's face, you know, and, 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 and how do people live with themselves? And and there's and there's redemption from that. And there's there's there there's a way back, you know. There's a way back. His name's Jesus. Man, I've gone over. You must be inspired also to be an inspiration to others. I don't do that. There's not a lot of people inspired by me. A lot of people pushed. Hey, let's get busy. Come on. Go out and do something. Do something that will change the world. Who, who, who pushes you more? I'm, I, I, I hope I'm inspiring, but I doubt that I am. If you choose... I've gone too long. If you choose to live in a, if you choose to live an inspired life, you will accomplish more in this life than you ever thought you would. Inspiration brings enthusiasm. Enthusiasm brings passion and fire. It just ignites everything. It just ignites it all. Let's stand our feet. I'm done. I want to live more inspired. I want to live more inspiring. I want to do both. I want to do both. How many of y'all want to live an inspired life or willing to do what it takes to live an inspired life so that you'll have the enthusiasm, the power, the authority to do everything that you want to do. Everything that God has for you to do. That's one of the things that we have to get to. It's not the only thing, but it's one of the things we have to do. We have to live inspired. Amen? Raise your hand. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you so much for you being my inspiration. Lord, I love you. I do. You know it. Father, bring a fire, bring a 
fire of inspiration, Father, into this place like you've never done before, Father. We want to see the miraculous every single day. Not just here and there. Every single day. We're going to be inspired to get to that point, Father. And we thank you for it. And we love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I mean, people.